Ecclesiastes 3, 6. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. I'd like to speak to you today on the last phrase of that verse. A time to throw away. God bless you. Please be seated. Well, in case you didn't know, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Amen. Now, you didn't need to wait until January 1st, 2023, to become a new and improved you. We've all been waiting for that, by the way. You've been waiting on that. I'm always amazed at God in the calendar of Old Testament Israel that the Lord gave them multiple opportunities to begin again. A new year, a new moon or new month, a new week. The Bible speaks of the first day of the week preceded by a Sabbath, a day of rest and reflection. And then there's the new day of the sun that rises for us. And we know that his mercies are new every morning. God created us. He knows our frame. And he knew that we would need a lot of opportunities to begin again, to start fresh, to make changes in our lives. And in the same way that the cellular structure of Our bodies renew itself on a regular basis. We need continual renewal in our lives, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But to grow the new, we must discard the old. Through the years at New Year's seasons, I've taught and preached on various themes related to renewal. I was listening to my Bible a while back in the book of Ecclesiastes, this verse caught my attention. I stopped and immediately made a note to go back and study again Ecclesiastes 3, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. New King James, if you read a King James Bible, time to cast away. Now the Bible says that to everything There is a season. Ecclesiastes 3 develops that theme. To everything, there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. In Ecclesiastes 3, 2 through 8, Solomon parallels 14 positive and negative times or seasons in our life. And taken together, they really develop the sum of the human experience. To give context, I wanted to just read through these verses together so you would see it in context. Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck or pick what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace 
and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. That would be a new resolution for 2023. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And Solomon said in verse 11 that God made everything beautiful in its time. In its proper place in life, each season of life, each time of life can have its own sense of beauty. Now, we did not have a choice and when we were born. And if we live for God and by the Bible, we will not choose when we die, our departure into eternity. But the Bible does say that there's a time to be born and a time to die. We should prepare for the time to die. We should live with integrity and die with dignity in a right relationship with God. Wisdom will guide you to do the right thing at the right time in your life. So I want to ask you today, what time is it in the clock of your life? What season is it in the calendar of your life? How should you be thinking and what should you be doing at this time and in this season of your life. To know the time is to discern the season and with wisdom to know where you are in the journey or the calendar of life. The Bible said that not only is it important to know where you are, it's important to do the right thing that is appropriate to that season. You should know and do what is right. The Bible speaks of the sons of Issachar that were commended in 1 Chronicles 12 because they had understanding of the times. But then not only did they have understanding of the times, the Bible says to know what Israel ought to do. They knew where they were in the season of history and they knew what should be done in that season. And the Bible said that all their brothers were at their commandment. They had authority because they discerned the times and knew what they should do. In the wise writings of Proverbs, Solomon writes about a son that brings shame. He said that a son who sleeps in harvest brings shame. There's a time to sleep and there's a time to be awake. But if you're sleeping when you should be harvesting, it is a foolish way to spend your life. It is not discerning the time and the season of your life. What time is it for you? Where are you in the calendar of life? Sleep is beautiful in its time. But gathering the crops in harvest is also beautiful. As a church, 
we need to know the seasons that we are in. And when God is giving revival and people are coming to the Lord, it is not time to be asleep at the wheel or spiritually complacent. It is a time to plug in and be 100%. It is our pattern as a church from Thanksgiving till now. We don't really put the pedal to the metal. We give you time to regroup. But now it is time to say God is at work and we are ready to rally ourselves to the cause of Jesus Christ. It is a time of revival for our church. Ecclesiastes 3.6. Time to gain and a time to lose. Time to keep and a time to throw away. I chose the New King James Version. The ideas are the same regardless of the translation. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Now, this first two, these first two phrases, the positive and negative, there's a time to gain and a time to lose. Now, I don't want you to feel too guilty right now, but a time to gain reminds me of the feasting of the holidays. Followed by the fasting of January. A time to gain and a time to lose. Intentionally or not, the holiday season has become a time to gain. We don't know exactly what Solomon had in mind when he wrote this. And I'm having just a little bit of fun. I read a study was published this year in November, or last year rather in November. It said the fourth annual riding off the year in, the end of the year survey, and it explored the eating habits of 2,000 Americans who celebrate a winter holiday. Now, I know you're shocked by this, but very few people said that they could resist overindulging during the festive season, even if they broke a diet that they were on. Americans admit to this overindulgence. It goes to wreck their waistlines. And uh, the average American in this survey, 2,000 people, said they expect to gain, to gain about eight pounds between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, I've read various surveys. I like to cross-reference. Other surveys say only about one or two. Uh, but regardless of how you fared, in the feasting of the holidays, I just want to tell you that a new day is dawn. It's a time to lose. Don't dread it, embrace it. It's a time to lose what has been gained. We have to resolve to do it. Weight loss companies may not know the Bible, but they understand human nature full well. And you know that you've been inundated the last few days. And you will be in the next few days about every weight loss and, and workout program imaginable. They want you to get started. And I've learned, studied that most of that will go away before February comes around. But we need to lose more than a few extra pounds accumulated over the holidays this past year. There are some other things we need to lose as well. There's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. Amen. Time to keep, and there is a time to throw away. Now, the second two statements of Ecclesiastes 3.6, there is a time to keep and a time to throw away. 
Let's talk about this time to keep and time to throw away. At this time of the year, what should you be keeping? And in your life, what should you resolve to retain that you have gained in the last season of your life? Now, I know that there's a lot of minimalists among us, and that's kind of a trend these days. I will tell you that I am not one of them. I am a gear guy. I'm a wannabe boy scout, a retired boy scout. My theme for life is be prepared. Anytime, anywhere, for anything, not just for myself, but everybody with me. Time to keep. And Americans are very good at keeping. We are, as a nation, hoarders. Spiritually, there are some things that we should keep, right? Keep the faith, keep our hope, amen? 22 is history. You have to think about what you should keep from the past. Keep lessons learned. Keep good habits that you've cultivated in the last year. Maintain and keep your healthy relationships. If you're married, their marriage and children and family. Your church, your friends, your coworkers. Keep your deepened Walk with God. Keep your fasting and prayer and your relationship with the word and, and worship and even more intense and engaged in worship. Keep your place of ministry to serve God and people. There's a time to keep and hold on to what you've gained over your life. You don't throw everything away. And when Paul said, I forget the things that are behind, that does not mean he discarded every good thing that he gained in his life. There's a time to keep. And there's a time to throw away. Now, January, it's not only a time of weight loss, but it's really a preliminary like spring cleaning. And home organizers are advising you and me to make a plan to throw away the junk that is accumulated in your home. I read a compelling ad that made me smile. It was called the Household Organization Diet. I didn't know your home could go on a diet, but that's what it's called. The household organization diet officially kicks off January 1 with this lady's January decluttering challenge. She calls it the 31-day home detox diet. Home detox diet. Now, she says whether you have just a few trouble spots in your home or if you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the clutter, this challenge is for you. Don't you feel it right now? And there's a lot of virtue signalers right now that can't wait to jump all over this. I, I was interested in this, and I read that the average American home has 300,000 items on the premises. That's shocking. I don't know that that's true, but that's what it said. One in five Americans rent a storage unit for the stuff they cannot store in their home. I know a family that has a storage unit that doesn't have a home right now. They're in between homes. One in five Americans do that. They rent a storage unit. One in five Americans with a two-car garage cannot park their cars in their garage. 
50% of Americans surveyed say they feel overwhelmed by the amount of stuff in their homes. But Solomon said, there is a time to throw away. <laughs> the Bible gives some examples about things that have been accumulated that need to throw away. I want to just refer to them for the sake of application and thought. The first is one of my favorite Acts stories, the book of Acts 27. Paul's a prisoner on a ship, 276 men. They're, they're in a hurricane, a Eurocladen, and, and it is really a bad storm. There's sailors and soldiers and prisoners and gear and, and all kinds of stuff on this ship, the goods that are being transported, and the storm hits. And several days into the storm, the Bible said in Acts 27, 18, the next day as gale force winds continue to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Now before the storm, you thought you needed the cargo. That's how you're making your money. That's the stuff you're transporting to make the business profit. But now in a storm, stuff you thought you needed, you realize you don't need as much as you thought you did. They threw it overboard. The next verse, verse 19, the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. That would probably be me. The gear that I had that I thought I needed, and when I looked around and did an inventory in a storm, I thought, you know, I don't really need that or that or that or that. Let's toss it overboard. There's a time to throw it away. And then later, several days later, in Acts 27, 38, after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. Evidently, they didn't throw the wheat overboard at first, but now they decided, let's even throw the wheat overboard. In the end, the ship was broken up in the violence of the waves, but God protected all the men, and they made it to shore. You know, it's not really important what you accumulate in this life. It's important that at the end of the storm of life that you are saved and make it to the shore of heaven, that you've kept what you must keep and you have thrown away what doesn't belong in your life. There may be some things on board the ship of your life that until now you thought were indispensable. But maybe the Spirit of the Lord and His Word is talking to you today. And you realize you don't really need that in your life. What is that going to matter in eternity? You cannot take it to heaven and you cannot take it to hell. So today, prayerfully ponder your values, your relationships, your behavior. The way you live your life, your dress, your lifestyle. Evaluating the ship of your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. Evaluate the place that God holds in your life. Is he first preeminent 
or is he second, which means that there's an idol ahead of him in your life? It's time to throw away our possessions should not possess us. Recognizing that there's a time to keep and a time to throw away really means living with an eternal perspective. We may acquire possessions while on this earth, but we should hold loosely onto stuff that we must let go of when we breathe our last breath. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6 and 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can take nothing out. There's an Old Testament story about the family of Jacob over the period of time, process of time. They had accumulated things that did not belong in their lives. You may remember that when uh, Jacob's wife, Rachel, the beloved wife, left her home in Haran, her father Laban's house, that she stole his images and she hid them in the furniture of the camel. She tricked her dad and those that searched. But in Genesis 35, God called Jacob back to Bethel, back to a place of consecration, that house of God where Jacob first encountered God. God said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign or strange gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress. And who has been with me in the way which I have gone. And Jacob's family responded obediently to the direction of their patriarch, their father and husband. Genesis 35.4. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth or the oak tree which was by Shechem. And when they, they threw away all the things that did not belong in the life of a godly family, the next verse, Genesis 35, 5, says that as they journeyed, the terror of the Lord was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. There are some things that are after you to destroy your soul and your family. And you may fear what can come against you, and it is more powerful than you. There are some forces that were stronger than Jacob and his family, and only God could protect them. But there was a trigger that God was waiting on. It was a trigger of consecration. And when Jacob and his family obeyed, then God supernaturally protected them. You cannot do the supernatural, but you can throw away what does not belong in your life. You can consecrate. You can repent. You can discard what has no place in the life of a Christian. You may be waiting on God, but in this regard, God is waiting on you. God will honor your consecration. 
And I can say that confidently based on the promises of the Word of God. But I'm going to say something that is I rarely say, and only if I really feel this. But I felt as I was studying, like a prophetic word from the Lord, that some of you really need something to happen in your life and family. And you're waiting on God to act. Well, really, God is waiting on you to act. And if you will do what God is speaking to you through his word and by his spirit, if you will do what God is calling you to do, you will release the power of God in your life. There will be provision and protection and deliverance and everything you need is ready. God is ready, but he's waiting on you. Cleanse yourself. Cleanse your family. Hallelujah. Take a moment to lift our hands to the Lord and respond right now to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and doing. I'm not finished preaching, but I want us to open our hearts to God in a, in a very special way right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. It is time to throw away, to throw overboard, to bury everything that is unholy in your life. And I repeat, but when you cleanse your heart, you release God's power. I've observed this Hundreds and hundreds of times when people that were bound by sin came to an altar or a place of repentance wherever it was. And they knew that they cannot break the power of addictions in their life, habits that they could not break. But as soon as they repented, as soon as they changed their mind towards sin and asked God to forgive them, when they repented, then it opened their heart up to God. It is not that God cannot do it, but God is waiting on us to change our minds, to repent of our sins, to change our ways. And when we do, our will changes and God's power comes flooding into our lives. So today, January 1, 2020. No excuses, please. No rationalizing. No comparing yourself to others. And I would if they would, or I need to, but they need to more. I will if they will. Well, why don't you start it? You can't change anybody else anyway. You can only change yourself. No judging, just obedience to God. In the imagery of a race, a writer of Hebrews gave us some incredible advice. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You're running a race from here to heaven. You're trying to cross the finish line. Nothing else matters, ultimately, but being saved. And the writer of Hebrews says, lay aside every weight and the sin, which does so easily beset us, and 
Let us run with patience, endurance, the race that is set before us. Today is the best day you will ever have to consecrate yourself to the Lord. It is the first day of the rest of your life. And you cannot change yesterday, but you can change today. The beginning of a new year is a wonderful time to make resolutions and starts. It's the way we're wired. Amen. Don't be discouraged over past failures to form new habits. Don't become critical of yourself or other people who make consecrations or resolutions to do better. I know the end of a thing is better than the beginning, the Bible says. But it is better to begin than to never try. And you will never continue until you start. And cynicism and negativity towards yourself and other people never help anyone be better. Cynicism is a killer. And we all need all the encouragement that, that we can get. You will never overdose on encouragement. We all need all the help and encouragement that we can get to be better, do better, to be saved. So today is the day of repentance and renewal. Repentance should be a regular practice in our lives. It's time to throw away the magnifying glass today and quit scrutinizing everyone else and Grab the mirror and look into the mirror of the Word of God and see ourselves as God really sees us. Repentance should be a regular practice in our lives. The time to throw away sinful behavior and attitudes is immediately after the thought or act of sin. I read many years ago, do not allow sin to build up in your life. Don't allow the clutter of ungodliness, to choke the Spirit of God out of you. Repentance is not something we save up for a New Year's resolution. Amen? Amen. We need a daily spiritual house cleaning. We need to keep our hearts decluttered of debilitating attitudes. However, the Bible speaks of times of consecration and self-examination. Today we're going to receive the Lord's Supper, communion. And in this service in the Bible, we are taught to examine ourselves, something we should do every day. But when we receive the Lord's Supper, we are called to a special time of examination. I want to read through this passage, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. New Living Translation, speaking of the Lord's Supper or communion, or if you come from some church backgrounds, the Eucharist. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, with a flippant attitude, without examination, okay, without repentance, anyone who drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, pardon me, is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. That is why Paul wrote, many are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Right now is a time of self-examination. Judge yourselves. Judge the sin in your life. Judge the changes that need to be made so that you can avoid the judgment of God at the end of time when it's too late to change. Today we're going to receive the symbols of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But before we do, I want us to pray. There is a time to keep. There is a time to throw away. And the time to throw away is right now. In the city of Jerusalem, there were numerous gates. But one of the gates was called the dung gate in the King James or the garbage gate. It was a place to take out the trash. Preached about it many years ago here. Every one of us need a place and time in our lives when we take out the trash and we throw away what might have accumulated in our lives that does not belong. I don't know what that means to you, but let's examine our attitudes and our actions. Let's ask God to cleanse us. Would you pray with me right now? And let's ask the Lord to forgive us and to cleanse us before we receive the Lord's Supper. Lift your voice, please, and let's pray together. Amen. We're remaining in a prayerful mode. But I wanted to give you some imagery from the Bible about how God describes the forgiveness of sins. We recognize that it was the blood of Jesus Christ that paid the price for our sins. In Isaiah 38, the Lord said, I've, He's cast all my sins behind His back. In Psalm 85, He said, He's covered my sin. In Psalm 183, or 103, he said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. In Hebrews 8 and 12, he remembers our sins and iniquities no more. 
In Micah chapter 7, the Bible says that he has cast all of our sins in the depths of the sea. I was reading this passage in Micah. I wanted us to read it together. You'll see it. Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. That's an intriguing phrase. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Micah is recalling by the Spirit of God the anointing on him. When the Lord delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage, the Lord destroyed the enemies, the, the armies of Pharaoh. He subdued those iniquities or those armies. And then he buried that army in the depths of the sea. And Micah is calling on that imagery to talk about what God does with our sins. He actually subdues or conquers those sins. And he buries our sins in a place where they cannot be brought up against us again. In the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial lamb and there was a scapegoat. And the priest would lay his hands on the scapegoat. And then a strong man, a fit man, would take that scapegoat. And he would take that goat outside of Israel. And that goat would bear the iniquities of Israel into a land not inhabited. In other words, the Lord takes our sins away from us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He has taken our sins away. I grew up on an old hymn. I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad. He took my sins away. He took my sins away. And now his love has made my heart so glad. He took my sins away. If you're glad that your sins are under the blood, buried in the depths of the sea, removed as far as the east is from the west, cast behind his back, never to be remembered against you. You should thank him that you are free from the condemnation of sin. We've emptied our garages of our souls. We've thrown away what is not like Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated and please take this cup in your hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. Practical note, after we receive the communion supper, the Lord, the ushers will come and you can pass these empty containers to them. The elements of communion are very simple. The Son of Eleven, tasteless wafer, symbolizes the sinless, broken body of Jesus Christ. It's His body that was broken so we could be made whole. Amen. The juice produced from the crushing of a grape symbolizes the shed blood, not just blood that flowed through His veins, that blood that Pour, but blood that poured out of him. It is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
that purchased our redemption. Amen. So if you've repented and you're in a right relationship with God, that's why we repented first. If you'll try to remove this first little layer, pull out that little wafer. I'm reading the words of Paul. For I have received of the Lord that, you can show this, which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And for me, I like to see his broken body on that cross for me. Would you please take this wafer in Jesus' name? Would you thank him that he gave his body on the cross? perfect, sinless Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus, Paul is quoting him after the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped saying, this cup is a new testament, the new covenant. In my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of of me. If you'll pull that next little tab off, and we're going to drink this together. Hallelujah. Now, would you lift clean hands and a pure heart to the Lord? And would you thank Him? For as often as you Eat this bread and drink this cup. You show the Lord's death till he comes back again. We look back to his death. We look forward to his coming. 